Okay, welcome back to the Mandarin Blueprint podcast. Uh, we'll start with some updates. So, Luke, you just finished a couple of uh, ebooks. Yeah, so we basically thought that we could have more information about characters out there. We've already got a ton of blog posts, but they, they're fairly old at this point. We've got like a, a, a series on the hands of moving method, the, yeah. uh, the method that we use to memorize Chinese characters, to learn how to read, write, and pronounce any Chinese character in less than a minute. That's kind of like the tagline of the, the mm. method because it's completely possible once you yeah. get used to it, right? Um, so we, had like a, we have like a seven-part series on that already as blog posts. And we also have another little series, like a three or four part series on just generally what are characters. It's kind of characters, yeah. We called the ebook Chinese Characters 101. It was just the basics, what you need to know yeah. right off the bat. So we thought we'd take these two blog post series, put them together, tidy them up a bit and dress them up a bit, put some new images and video links and stuff like that in there and release them as two separate ebooks and mm. they'll be available and we'll, we'll you know we'll, we're going to send them out to the entire list that we have so if you're a subscriber already we'll just send them to you um just like a nicer easier way uh to just learn more about chinese characters and if you're already on the mandarin blueprint method course and you're learning characters uh we basically all of the information that we give like for example during the character method where we, where we say things like oh as a general guideline yeah you know or as a uh what, what do we call them again i forgot yeah we've got the um, um the special effects and special we've got effects, the script yeah. triggers so you script got the triggers yeah. yeah we've put them all there as a list so if you're having any problems instead of having to go back to the video or something like that something like that, or look right, at the right. google docs that we have available we've got a nice pretty well-designed ebook for you you can just go through it's like a little handbook for your memory palaces. So hopefully that'll be useful to you guys. And of course, we're using it mainly to get more leads to spread the word of the uh, the, the new course that we have. Yeah, so please uh, share the book on every social media and stuff. You know, we, we'd be happy to get the, these ideas out here, be, out there because, you know, tr traditional ways of learning characters are lame. So <laughs> um, speaking yep. of uh, characters, uh, I wanted to give you guys some updates on our expansion of the character order. So we've made some progress in that arena. So one thing we've been doing is um, focusing on how to decide what's the most important character to come next. And so there's a lot of things you have to take into account. So one of the first thing we did was we decided uh, which characters were going to come next based on frequency and also a little bit based on the uh, HSK-4 so that we can be sure in the next iteration uh, anybody would easily be able to pass the HSK-4 um, after doing our material. Mm. But um, the question is, which character should you introduce first? What, what characters does it make sense to group together because they're related in some way? I mean, you, you always want to build on what you have already learned, so you don't want to just have the characters in pure frequency order. You want to have them have something in common. Either they share words or they share character components so that you're not, like, all over the place with your learning. So what we've done is we took a – we made an analysis of all the characters, figured out if we introduce a new character, like character number – 593, because in our current iteration, there's 592 characters. If we introduce a character at 593, how many words would that unlock? Mm. And then we made a hierarchy. Okay, so this character would unlock the most words, and then this character the second most words. So just based on what you'd previously learned already. Then what we did is we said, okay, of those characters, which ones have a common component, right? And so we grouped those together. So we grouped from the component level and from the word level. And then what you do is you say, okay, within the component group, 
which has the sum of the most words that get unlocked, right? And this is getting kind of detailed, but it's like I figured it's, it's basically the, the bang for your buck yeah. equation, right? Yeah. So. And uh, so for the people who are listening to the podcast, they're more you know interested in some of these details. So that's kind of the mm. way we're thinking about it. So we're putting it together that way. This way, you can be sure that when our new character order comes out, you're going to be getting stuff that's going to be useful to you almost immediately. And then what we'll do is we'll have a team of writers get together and know, okay, here's how we get. Uh, the most amount of use of this of these words in a greater context. So we'll kind of be writing more graded readers, but we'll also be linking to other resources for graded readers that have already been made so that you can be sure, okay, if I'm at level 38 of the Mandarin Blueprint method, I can look at this Mandarin Companion book, book or, you know, we'll, we'll see what we can do in that realm. But oh, and one, speaking of that, you know, you mentioned before the podcast, like, uh, is there anything you want to bring up? And I just thought of something. Mm. Uh, this is something that we did a while ago. There was a Ant Anthony or Anthony uh, Lauder or Lauder. Um, he made something called uh, conversation connectors. Oh right. right, yeah. And we would we talked about that when we were doing live classes. We would we would share. Uh, it's like 150 conversation connectors. So what these are, if you don't know, is basically phrases in a language. They exist in every language, I assume, where they sort of connect bits of the conversation together. So for example. Um, Oh, just something here. like, you know, um, well, to tell you the truth. To tell, yeah, to tell or, you the truth uh, or, um, yeah, exactly. Or, by the way, you know, things that... Put another way. You to know, put it another like way, um, yeah. as for me, you know, they can be, or they could just be like, I agree. They could be uh, just staple phrases that people use a lot, but they mm. can go at the beginning, the middle, or the end of the meat of what you're saying. Mm. And what this does is, because these are sort of, it imprinted phrases that imprinted these are phrases that don't change they're fixed rather mm -hmm. so you know them if you if you know these phrases like if you have like well i've actually collated about 400 of them and they can really help you not only sound more fluent mm -hmm. but also give you some time to put together the completely new stuff that you're trying to say um and this mm -hmm. is really good if you're trying to get more fluent in spoken uh, in speaking chinese um so what we're going to do um, we have we in the, in the next probably two or three weeks, we're going to introduce these into the course. We might call them conversation connectors. We might come up with our own name for them, um, but we will basically introduce them at the points in the course, just like we would vocabulary. So once you've unlocked all the words, so like for example, um, by the way is shun bian shuo yi right? Shun bian So like that is how you'd say that in Chinese. Once you've unlocked all those characters or let's say the majority of them will introduce that conversation connector. Right. It'll be kind of like an, you know, we have um, we have all sorts of things now, don't we? We have um, opinions, we have dialogues, we have, of course, sentences. So this would just be like another little yeah. thing that we had until, it's not a phase per se, because we, we set, you separate yeah, those into phases. Yeah, it kind of just fits in there, just sort of yeah. weaves into the phases. So we're just, again, it's another thing that I thought, you know, we, we're trying to expand the course, so mm -hmm. we're trying not to get too distracted with other stuff, but I thought this would just be an awesome addition. Yeah. We'll try and put in, yeah, about three weeks, maybe a month, um, we'll we'll have that as a part of the course. So. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's great because those are, that's one of those things that's not that hard to do, it's not that hard to uh, master, and then it's so useful in day-to-day -day life, so. And of course, Anki uh, cards with them as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, <laughs> yeah, definitely. And then, yeah. uh, so one other thing that I thought of this week, I don't even think I've told you about this idea yet, but um, one of the, 
things that occurred to me that we can do once we uh, expand the character orders. When we're having our graded content that we write, um, mm. the Chinese sort of text analyzer that we use that can figure out approximately how many times uh, a word is showing up, you can actually, we could take all of our sentences and all of our stories and all of our, you know, just all of our content and put it into this analyzer and it'll give us a hierarchy of how many times the uh, various words got used and then we can tell our writers hey they haven't seen this word enough they haven't they've only seen this word three times so like right. when you're writing even though it's not a new word you know make sure you put that in there a little bit more if you can you know obviously it's tricky because you know maybe the word's inappropriate for the per, uh, specific paragraph or whatever they're writing but the fact that they'll know oh okay this word they need to see each word at least like 10 to 20 times to really acquire it so we'll you don't have to think about that we'll think about it we'll just like look at the thing and go okay here are writers here's the list of words that don't have 10 occurrences yet and so like yeah they could, you know think about that as they're writing i think that could be a useful addition although some some words need to be seen more than others you know like yeah, so when it, when it comes to say for example simple nouns like car i mean you don't need to see that many times you right? just will see you, it a lot you, you will see it a lot yeah but you know what i mean like when I'm, like a noun you know yeah um you know I'd, let's think of a less common noun like hairdryer or something like that right mm -hmm. um yeah you'll probably need to see that uh, less than say the more complex grammar structural sure, words sure. you know but yeah yeah we'll, we'll, we'll figure out we'll figure out some ways but obviously they'll know, use their own intuition as well as and, well and also with nouns like a lot of times you can like for example this is called a uh tahu hu is like the name for pot mm. and then so ta is uh tea so teapot right but i didn't know what to call the spout because it broke the other day i don't know if you can see that in the video uh, but it broke yesterday and i was like i don't know how to call this the oh, spout and uh it's just uh hu zui. Oh. It's just, just mouth. I was going to say coal. Right. <laughs> I was like, what's the word? What's the word? Because I've yeah, heard yeah. it before. I was like, who coal? Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. And so like, <laughs> uh, so that was like one of those things where it's like, okay, I've been learning Chinese for over five years, but I didn't know that one. Mm. But it's so easy to pick up on nouns because I could just turn to, to Annie and go, what's this called? <laughs> you know? And so uh, yeah. nouns are pretty easy most of the time. Okay. Mm. So one other update. Um, we have been working on the WeChat version of the course now most of you if you're in a western country and you're not in china this you know you won't want to use the wechat version because it's going to be connected with wechat uh, pay which is the main reason we're doing it because occasionally we get somebody in china who discovers our course and they're like oh but you only have western payment systems and it's like yeah sorry uh, unfortunately they're completely separate but now we're going to have the course in wechat and it's still going to be a little bit because we're having a few uh, developer technical issues, but it's closer than it's been in a while. We made some good progress earlier this week, so look out for that. We'll for sure make an announcement when that's ready to go, so those of you in China can get faster speeds and also be able to pay with WeChat if you want. So, great. So, that's uh, all for the updates, and let's get to some of the, the questions. All right, so the first one here is an email from Chad. He just had a qu uh, qu query. Something I was thinking about today. When you guys or other people who teach Chinese say that we are going to learn the most common five or 600 characters, is that pretty standard across all programs or is there a significant difference in what characters are considered standard? Mm. Well, yeah, so this one is like, there are some degree of, for sure, there's standard characters that everybody's gonna teach because they're so high frequency. And you can kind of think of it as like, related to what are the highest frequency ones. If you have a list of 500 characters, probably the first hundred are all going to be in everybody's list. And then eventually you'll start to see some mm -hmm. 
discrepancies. And the reason for the discrepancies is usually to do with the sourcing of the frequency lists. And so some people will source their, I mean, most universities source their frequency lists from loads of documents from like the 60s and 70s. Mm. And they have they're just, they're just words that have, they're old. They're not really used anymore in the same way. They were used in communist propaganda and all that stuff. So it's like a lot of written stuff. You know, like for example, the one that always sticks out for me, I mentioned probably a couple of times before in other videos is um, 同志, mm. the word for comrade is mm. I think HSK three or maybe they've updated it. Probably not, but uh, HSK three or four yeah. is comrade. You know, that's the word that they would call uh, other people in the party. Um, yeah. But yeah. now it's called. No, it's used for something else. It's used for um, usually like a slang for uh, gay guy, you know, or, um, mm -hmm. you know, people. They will still use it in the inner circles of government occasionally, sure. but like it's no, like, yeah. you know, or they'll for say, the um, most part, it's, yeah, yeah, they'll say um, something like that. Yeah. 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 So, um, and by the way, that's an interesting uh, character. Actually, it's a, it's the same ambition essentially is what Tongzhi means like that those two words together and so when you're comrades you know at the time I think it was very much like we're going to change the world with our communist ways and so they were like you're aware of the same because they said it mm. in the Soviet Union as well uh, they would call each other comrade um, all right yeah, so yeah. cool so that's um, basically we got our list based on much more modern sources uh, and some written because we don't want to yeah. be like completely you don't want to avoid written completely you no know? of course but, not of course but, because that's how look, we're always talking this is what we talked about because um so with the first five or six hundred we were focusing more on using our intuition to add in words and take away words based on spoken frequency so mm. we wanted because we're not so much interested in the characters as the most common thousand words of the language so that you guys that are following the course can actually, every single character unlocks not only obviously a massive part of written language, but also a huge part of the spoken language. So you can actually go and use the stuff that you're learning really well. Whereas say with HSK uh, one to three, um, there'll be a lot of very, very written stuff in there. Yeah, yeah. So, but this time around, now that we're expanding it um, for another, what, five or 600? It's probably gonna be about 700 characters. About this next another one. 700. This time around, we're being much more inclusive of written language because we're all about, that's like sort of our thing, is is the quicker you read, and of course listen to what you're reading at the same time if possible, mm -hmm. the quicker you will acquire the language. So of course you need the written version as yeah. well. Yeah, there's uh, no, I mean like sure, if you read a fiction book or something, you'll see the dialogue between characters will often be spoken Chinese, mm -hmm. but you know, there's so many times where you'll see the, you know, in the narration, there will be usages that you're like, well, what's that? And then you're like, oh, if you just knew a little bit of written, you'd have no problem with this. So, yeah. Um, yeah. and yeah, so, and also, as I mentioned before, if you haven't heard me say this before, written Chinese can be used in spoken, in speech. Mm -hmm. It's just going to sound formal. But, you know, there are certain situations where it's perfectly reasonable to sound formal. So, and again, especially know. if you're learning Chinese for business or something like that, mm -hmm. you want to show yeah. off to your, you know, in a meeting or something, you know. Oh, yeah. Whip yeah. out a bit of you know, written Chinese, Absolutely. formal Chinese. Awesome. Okay. Brilliant. So next we're going to go to a set of pick a props. So just as a quick reminder, and they're, they're quite interesting this week. Um, mm. But just as a reminder, this is 3D objects to represent a character component. We give loads of suggestions in the actual course. But what we what we do is we ask all of you for your suggestions if you didn't see if our suggestion didn't relate to you or you thought of something else so people leave these in the comments so if you're going through the course check the comments maybe somebody left a suggestion that you'll enjoy so the mm. first one here is from ryan smith and this is character number 40 144 men so this is a door 
So he says, the door of Durin, which is the entrance to the mines of Moria in Lord of the Rings, makes for a great distinctive door to use, especially great because their glowing nature makes them pop out in scenes a bit more. I remember the scene so well from Fellowship of the Ring. That's your area, man. Yeah, I, yeah. Don't know. I, don't, I don't follow that stuff. Oh, but, you never uh, saw the Fellowship of the Ring? Oh, no. Well, moment? I have, but it's not, not like you did. I yeah, yeah. You know. yeah that, I love that story. So, like, yeah, there's this moment where uh gandalf is well the whole fellowship is standing before this door and they can't get in and they're like i don't know how do we get in and it's a riddle and frodo solves it but it was this funny moment so uh yeah that door is very distinctive totally mm -hmm. sydney green uh the next one on character 264 so sydney's doing really well um gun i thought it was a third tone okay so um pick a prop for gun uh i believe this is supposed to be blunt right mm -hmm. okay now you might want to block your ears for this one if you're a bit sensitive. It's a little <laughs> bit violent, okay? So you can skip ahead 30 seconds if you like. Uh, I used a picture of a guy cutting himself shaving with a blunt razor blade. The emphasis is on the picture. On the picture is on it being very blunt and so painful. So it's right. not actually as bad because it's you know he's shaving, so that happens, doesn't it? So, yeah. but I was saying if you, anyone's a bit squeamish, you don't have to imagine stuff like that at all. Um, but that is a really good one because it's something that, especially guys, we've definitely all of us experienced. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's a really good one. But what I, what I did actually comment with Sydney on this one was try not to use two D images of stuff. And we always give general rules. We, we, we're very um, sort of open. We're sort of like, you know, we'd give stuff that generally works and generally doesn't work, but you can break the rules, you know, every now and then. But as a, as a, as a general rule, try not to imagine pictures of stuff because 2D pictures, they you tend to just imagine them as a, a piece of paper. The pictures can change. But whereas if you have a 3D object that you can actually interact with and feel the shape of, Mm. So like an actual guy cutting himself shaving or just a really blunt, rusty, big razor blade or something like that, it's it's much more real. And that's mm -hmm. what you're doing. You're creating fake memories. Um, so yeah, 2D stuff, images can tend to fade away. So try and stay away from that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, and I think that uh, one of the things that he's doing here is mixing the meaning with the, the way it looks a little bit. I mean, mm. I can imagine that the, um, oh, the yeah. bottom right corner of this character being like the razor blade yeah, the top being maybe under the chin mm, of the head i'm not really like sure what the bottom would be but still it's like maybe that's his his legs and he's just got a huge head um but it, i can see how they can mix both of them together yeah, uh, yeah. there but overall no 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 big no big issue with that uh, okay try make it 3d so this next one is from jay anderson on character number 12 and there's a good question in this one so this is uh which means uh noon and so he says uh to me this looks like an old-timey key positioned ready to go into the lock, which I know you say here and in the podcast, then that's it. For you, it's a blank. And uh, As in, if you, you know, whatever you're, if you imagine something different than what mm -hmm. we suggest, because mm -hmm. it, it instinctively looks like that or it feels like that or it means that, that, that to you, then go for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So... He says, but it leads me to a more general angst I'm having. How do I know I'm not picking something that's going to be an obstacle for me later on? For example, I imagine we'll get to key eventually, and maybe it turns out to be a component for other things. Then I need a prop for it, and I've already built an association with key and this component. Now, taking a casual look at Yaoshi, I'm guessing that's the word for key in Chinese. Uh, I'm guessing that's probably not actually the case for key, but hopefully you'll get my point. I'm surely overthinking and or not yet trusting mm -hmm. my memory, imagination, and capacity to distinguish between two different keys or whatever, but it would be good to hear your insights on what if I choose something that I later want slash need for something else. 
So uh, what are your initial thoughts? Well, I actually, again, I replied to him uh, on, the, on the same day, I believe, this comment. So what I also said to uh, Jay was, you know, don't worry about that because you know, you've just proven how easy it is to come up with your own associations for stuff that aren't mm -hmm. ours. Yeah. <laughs> so if it does come up that we've given you a suggestion that, oh, you have to choose key for this thing later. Well, there's two options. You can either choose a very different looking key, mm -hmm. which is definitely possible, or sure. look at the, the way it looks. There's always two ways, isn't there? You look at the way the prop or the component looks, or you look at what it means and then come up with your own association. Yeah, based on your usually your first instinct. Yeah, and just off the top of my head, I'm like key. Well, what other things are keys? Well, you could have the key card. You could have a key card. You could have yeah. a key to my heart, and then you go, oh, that time that my uh, <laughs> girlfriend gave me chocolates, and that's she knew that was the key to my heart. So I'll just, <laughs> I don't know, something whatever is personal to you, and like so, yeah. you could have something like that. And also, don't forget that you're going to be doing this Anki card for months. So like, by the time you reach, um, you know, the theoretical future key. You've already been looking at this Anki card that's telling you that is key for months you or whatever really it is. You don't even need to imagine the key for that anymore. You know, mm -hmm. maybe it's just an instinct uh, exactly. or whatever is solidified. So yeah, so it's it's definitely I I like it. I like well, I love it when I get these comments of people. You are overthinking it, but I actually like that. It means you're taking the, the method seriously. Yeah, and yeah, you're, and you're and thinking you're about it. It's great. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, another one from Chad here on character 114 is G, as in uh, a few. Uh, mm -hmm. or how many um witness stand yeah it does look like a sort of it's actually got the meaning of uh tazi is a small is a table right a tea yeah, table. yeah it's not yeah. used very often but so uh witness stand so it kind of looks like that as well mm -hmm. uh the first thing that came to mind was in the movie a few good men so i look at this and see the front of a witness stand with jack nicholson sitting there yeah yep yep Sounds so that's good. great so like I, that scene i love that because that's a movie where the it's the hands of movie method and you find a scene from a movie where, like why do you remember that scene yeah is the exact same reason that you'll remember a character exactly. so like if you make the scenes i mean i remember that scene so well it's like such an emotional scene i never seen the movie and i know the scene yeah right yeah so, that, so <laughs> yeah. those are the types of things yeah totally uh no no name i uh, on character 475 wow smashing it um jill as in number nine a cat yeah Nine lives. With nine lives, sure. yeah, because cats have nine lives, right? Yeah, absolutely. So Easy, simple, done. Simple link. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, so that's one again, based on the meaning of the character of the component or proper character, as opposed to the way it looks. Mm. Uh, Julia, Mel oh, sorry. So now we're moving to casting calls. Sorry, yeah, we're so getting to casting calls. Yeah. So you know, this is people to represent a pinion initial. So we have objects for character components and people for pinion initials and then places for pinion finals. But uh, there's only 13 of those, so we rarely get those suggestions from people. So this is for casting call. Mm -hmm. uh, for ooh, the character we just talked about. Mm. Um, again, that's W-U. So anything with a U is a fictional. So that would be, she chose a Wookiee from Star Wars, a Wookiee. Yeah. And I like this because Technically, his name is Chewbacca, but he's the only Wookiee. <laughs> you know, what I mean, maybe then some one, some other Star Wars universe, there's another Wookiee. But like, basically, you've got it there, and that's a clear <laughs> yeah. enough link. So definitely, uh, I like it. And uh, Kai for character eighty-four, Mu again, M U. So also, it's another fictional actor. He chose Mu Fasa. Yeah, and that's great. And we're actually naming the podcasts after that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, such a classic trope. Yeah. Uh, Abigail on character 36, Kuang, as in Qing Kuang, like uh, situation. Um, again, that's cool, right? So that's another fictional. They're all, fi oh no, the last one isn't. Um, this fictional character is Katniss Everdeen from Hunger Games. Again, mm. K represents that. Nice. Uh, 
oh, cool. So I like this last one because it, it indicates to me that Yarden picked a different so, uh, set of actors oh. for the U. So uh, we have E, U, U represent these sounds that we've turned into initials. And if you want to know more about that, you can check out our uh, article on actors. But mm -hmm. essentially we have E is female, U is fictional characters. The remaining consonants are male, but then you have U, which only has six. And when there's only six actors you have to choose, as long as they're all a part of a very distinguishable category, you could choose any any category you'd like. And so clearly Yarden here picked musicians that he, he likes. So he chose mm -hmm. Ray Charles to represent Chu, right? And that's close enough. You know, it's like Charles Chu. It's pretty close. So it's close enough that he'll remember that. And also, I mean, if you have the occasional actor who doesn't perfectly match the sound, it's okay. Like, it's like, as long as it's most of them match the sound, it's fine. And uh, of course, Ray Charles is very distinctive. So mm -hmm. you'll definitely remember all scenes with uh, that start with Q-U. Awesome. Well done. And uh, we've got one make a movie. Hmm. Uh, so this and this is where, one is really worth commenting on. Yeah, go right, on. right. So this is where we bring it all together. So the actual maker movies where we learn the character. So of course you have actors that represent the initials, sets or places that represent the finals, and props that represent the objects. The way they interact together represents the meaning of the character. Okay, so right. this is an interesting one. This is again for as in noon. So noon is a very abstract concept. So yeah. we we guide guide you on that in the course how to do that. This is what Julia Melnick has done. So to me, this sign or uh, represent resembles a bird sitting on an electric pole. So Wookiee from Star Wars, as in Chewbacca, enters my childhood uh, bedroom eating a loaf of bread. He hears the sound of clock striking noon and says, time to feed the birds. He opens a window, chops up the loaf. A lonely bird sits down on an electric pole near the house's walls, sounds Bird, and she said afterwards she sound sounds of uh, birds tweeting and a slight electric buzz mm, yeah so, so this scene enters uh, a Wookiee enters my childhood home bedroom that point you're great because you already have the actor in the correct room in the correct set so at that point you have the pronunciation of already down but the first thing that made me raise an eyebrow was eating a loaf of bread because that's not one of the props mm. in this character and whenever you introduce a 3D object, now I see the, your point, Julia, that it's like the bread relates to feeding the bird, but the problem is that these aren't things that can be consistently used into the future. And you're so early in the course, you're only on character 12, so I totally get why this would be the case, but you have to think about that every prop that you use is going to be used in perpetuity for thousands of characters, right? Mm -hmm. um, so if you choose a scene that's unique to only this character while it might work for that character mm. you're not setting yourself up for the future to be easier you know so it's kind of it might work but it's also not really fitting the system in that way yeah so we have had lots of experience using other methods learning characters and most of them the the best methods out there that aren't ours obviously we, we know that ours are the best and we're a bit <laughs> but the other methods that are still sort of the best apart from us they use methods like this, where mm. for each individual character, you think of a story. So Heisig does this, mm -hmm. um, but there's very little consistency to it. So what do you do when, um, say, the top prop that we call loser, the, the sort of little prop on top, or the cross? What about when they come up in other characters? Well, you know, do, you, do they interact in the same way? Are the birds there? There's a loaf of bread there? Probably not. 
right? So mm. you've imagined all this stuff, um, and it's a lot of effort to do this. Or maybe this just came to you. But in general, if you make yourself do that for every character, it's going to be very taxing on your mind mm. um, to come up with. A, and it's not always going to be tough. What about characters that are much more complicated? Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, you stick to um, well. How, what, what's the first bit of advice we would give here? Well, stick stick to using making props universal so once a prop is is that prop for that component mm. that's what it is and you only use the props that are in the character yeah. that we suggest so it's, we limit it to three there might be four like there's four in one character in like one character yeah. maybe a couple in the whole thing after we expand it but we keep it to two or three and so it's not too uh, much to imagine at the same time another key thing don't bring in extra objects unless they're either prop, like they're related. Well, there's only one situation, I think. Yeah, when it's directly wrong. related to the meaning. Yeah, when it's yeah. directly related to the meaning. So, for example, this is what we used to like, because noon is an abstract one, um, and they, they get more abstract like that. So, for example, want, the character mm -hmm. for want. Yeah. You know, you, yeah, it, yeah. It, gets, it gets to the point where you have to maybe sometimes bring in extra objects, but if they're directly related to the thing. So this is what we used to do. So I used to have a, like Woody from Toy Story, W-U, and um, there was a crucifix and uh, a loser, whoever I imagined for um, loser, they were having a, a shootout, you mm -hmm. know, at noon. So there were, there were guns, you know, but guns are to do with the fact that it's it's noon. It's it's like the, the old westerns. Yeah, yeah. And when when the clock strikes noon, Woody goes to shoot the guy, the other the component, and he jumps on top of the crucifix to, to hide away from. Oh, him. Right, right. Or Woody hears the the bell because the clocks the sounds is very good. Another thing that you did very well here, Julia, is the clock sound. That's really good because that triggers the idea of noon. So that's what takes care of that. I would have Woody bring out what I consider the standard lunch, which is, you know, a big sandwich. And he would start eating the sandwich. He's like, oh, it's time to eat sandwich. So that, that is an extra object, right? But it's directly related to noon because it's lunchtime. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. So this is what I would recommend. When you go into a new scene, clearly you started off right. You mm -hmm. had the, the correct room, the correct set, and the correct actor, mm -hmm. right? You just need to say, and right before this, you would have had to pick a prop uh, lesson about loser and choosing who you want to be to represent the loser idea. And so you want to say to yourself, okay, I got a crucifix and a loser, and that's all I have. I mean, obviously, there's things that exist in the bedroom that were already there. Sure, that's fine. But the you would just have those two objects, and you have to make them create the idea of noon. Now, you can say, if I'm going to introduce a new object, the only reason has to be because it's directly related to noon. And so if you just think of it like that, it might seem like it's constraining, but trust me, it'll make you go way faster in It'll the future. It will set you free. Uh, too yeah. much too much choice can actually yeah. be paralyzing. It's right? too hard to remember. Yeah. It's too hard to remember. So, oh, another thing I like to think about is, you know you have lots of objects in the room anyway, you can interact with those in a, in a sort of a passive way if you want, mm -hmm. you know, smash them up or move them around if you want. But think about the object, like the old timey sort of Warner, uh, Walt Disney cartoons, where these were sort of painted into the background, but the stuff they were mm -hmm. interacting with sort of had a brighter color to it. It was, oh, right, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sure. I used to watch a lot of cartoons. So no, <laughs> that that's was, true, so I, I can think of that. Yeah, yeah so th think about it like that, yeah. That's awesome, that's all awesome. I say on that. But still, you're on the right track. Yeah. All right, great, so next we have uh, William Edmeads on bonus character analysis of Xi. So this is uh, actually a video that we shot in summer of 2017 mm. about uh, characters because we're just huge fans of seeing how characters relate and how you can use a bunch of different words with the character and kind of get a real sense of how Chinese with a character, like 
Sometimes there's an abstract meaning, there's a concrete meaning, and you can really get a sense of it when you look at a lot of different words. One of the words that we brought up was xisu, which means uh, custom. So like a sort of xisu would be like, okay, it's it's spring festival, and we're going to go around, and what was the thing where you were eating the thing that might have a coin in it? Was it uh, a, it's a jiaozi, you mean. Jiaozi like with a, coins in it. That yes, would be kind of a custom. Chinese right? New Year, yeah. Yeah, and so, and so something that you do at a particular time. He said, would it also... Would Sisu also mean tradition, like something the culture has practiced through countless generations? And I mean, obviously, there is a relationship between these two concepts because usually, when you're uh, engaging in some type of tradition, you'll there'll be a bunch of customs within it. But I would say, first of all, custom is kind of like smaller. You know, it's a it's usually more specific. But secondly, the word for tradition in Chinese is tong, which is a great word. I love this word for tradition because it gets across the idea mm. way better than uh, the English word. So you look at the the two characters, chuan means to pass something to somebody or pass it on to somebody. And then tong can mean system or like a sort of a, a network, right? So it's like mm. you're passing on a system or a network. And that's so cool because it's basically saying, okay, in our generation, this system really worked for us. So we love our children. So we want to make sure we pass it on to them. So it makes tradition turn into something that is a little bit less like, you know, I always used to think of tradition as a young kid is like, oh, you know, traditional. It's like, you know, that's lame and, you know, whatever. Mm. When you look at it from that perspective, you're like, okay, well, sure. You need to update tradition sometimes, but that's a good motivation, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that's an example of Chinese just giving me like philosophical insight in a word. It's yeah. so cool. That's awesome. Um, another one from Ryan Smith here for character. Oh, there's another make a movie. Sorry. There's actually a couple more of these. Uh, yeah. Okay. No worries. So, uh, he says on character 141, fa, as in method, um, mm. make a movie. So for his keyword connection, for the abstract idea of method, I went with Weissenborn Bassoon method book. Uh, <laughs> I guess he did Bassoon when he was, yeah, yeah. or it's currently does. I used that book for years whilst learning Bassoon. I'll just read it instead of commenting. Because <laughs> he's going to tell me in the next sentence. So it's easy to visualize my copies beat up pages with slightly tattered green cover. Yeah, I can relate to this so much, Ryan, because, you know, I have books like the syncopation book for me is that with uh, drums. It's such mm. a classic book. It's got Ted Reed on the front with his one stick up and all drummers know that book if they have taken it pretty far. And mm. just a quick uh, fact about bassoon, Luke, did you know that uh, in 1912, I believe, no. or 1914, Igor Stravinsky wrote a, a piece of music called The Rite of Spring, which starts off with a bassoon solo bit. There's a little bit of background, but it's basically a bassoon. And everybody said, it can't be done. This is too high. It's like out of the range of a bassoon. And in classic, you know, sort of people like Stravinsky who are real, like, uh, innovators, it is now the standard for bassoon players. They must all be able to play a Rite of Spring. Ryan can correct me, but it was my understanding if that's, that that's true. And that's like, it's like one of those things where you're like, oh, humans can't do that. Yes, we can. We've persevered. <laughs> and that's bassoon, <laughs> bassoon perseverance. I was thinking as, as he uh, mentioned that with the book as well, like, again, this is an ex exactly what we were talking about earlier with the foreign sort of, we're bringing in other objects that, aren't, mm. that are directly related to it. So obviously he's not just bringing that book and going, here you go. And that's the key word. <laughs> he's going to be interacting with it, with the other props and the actors. That's, that's awesome. It's, it's a very personal thing. Yeah. Uh, Chad again on character 117, xiang, as in to think or I guess to want uh, or to miss. It's a lot of meanings, that one. The song xiang ni de ye. 
by yeah. Guanzhou is a great listening practice for the third usage of this word. Actually, you were checking that out before. Yeah, we, just um, to miss, you know, Wuxiangyi. So like in sort of maudlin songs, I was looking at it earlier, uh, I linked to it so you can uh, check it out. So, you know, it's definitely a love song of like, oh, we broke up and sad, but like that is the feeling of Wuxiangyi. Yeah. yeah, and, uh, and lots, uh, you know, it's a good way to, songs can be good, you know, their, their tones are tough to catch because the tones are a bit sort of messed up. They have to be to yeah. be able to make yeah, it yeah. not horrible. Right, right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's ex music can be a good way of uh, solidifying what you already know. And I did look at the lyrics. It's pretty simple. Like it's mm. most of them are easy to follow. Although like many songs, occasionally there's a word that you're like, that's what that word never gets used. And it's just because my speculation on it is because Chinese has so many homophones that you can just decide, okay, this song I'm going to have rhyme with owl. And so I'm just going to pick loads of different characters and words that end in an AO final. And you reach a spot and you're like, I don't know. I want to get across this meaning, but I don't know how to do it. Let me look into ancient Chinese and find a, a word that means this and ends in ao. So I've got a friend that says, uh, Jerry, he yeah. does our audio, actually, yeah. um, for all, all the flashcards. does the male audio. He's a musician. And he says that uh, chi to write good Chinese songs is very tough. I guess tougher than English in a lot of yeah, ways. Yeah, yeah. Because of that restriction. Yeah, it's mostly just the lack of syllables, you know? Yeah. We've got another one from Jay Anderson on character number 13, Nian, for as a make a movie. So this is make a movie to represent year. Now this is a this is one that's actually quite a tough character mm. and it's early on in the method. So let's yeah. see how he does it. I'm seeing Wu as in as part of this this character was in what we talked about twice already that meaning noon with mm. a bent razor blade between the two horizontals mm. that works for me because all is an electric can opener that's the prop that he chose oh, for that right, entire yeah. thing not cowboy boots as we might as one of our suggestions right and the bend and bending the razor blade when it gets jammed in there also gives me an the extra downstroke ah i like this mm. yeah. so that's a bit creative and there's not many characters like this. There's probably a handful overall where you have to be a little bit more creative because they're just like yeah. slightly deformed well, or have unique say, components. Yeah, we say this is a three prop character. We say this is cowboy boots or uh, can opener and a stick and a razor blade because mm. this Nian is weird. There's not a, a lot one. of characters that do this where like it's like you have the the situation of a uh, horizontal line on top and the right side of the horizontal uh, the right side of the horizontal line comes the vertical line Standard this is the break. opposite yeah. and it's like not that doesn't come up that much so we were kind of like well what do we do and then yeah. this is a good solution yeah yeah, yeah. movie wise uh, there's a new year's ball sticking to the can because new year brilliant mm. sticking to the can opener magnet which grinds loudly as it spins and the can opener plays a really bad rendition of Old Lang Syne. Oh, the cacophony nice. is driving Nancy crazy. Nancy, I assume, is yeah. his female actor for this. So she tries to kill the machine with the rail razor blades, and I guess it bends. Yeah, great. I like that. So the, again, bringing in objects to represent the keyword, the disco ball or the uh, New Year's ball. Sorry, so yeah, it looks yeah. like a disco ball. Great job, Jay. Yeah, I love that, and the emotion that Nancy probably feels. I mean, we've all. I can imagine the music and the, like the the crappy old Lang Syne like from a music box or something, and then and then she just getting so frustrated, and just ah, you know, just <laughs> knocking it in the razor blade in, and it bends because she's so angry. But great, that's awesome. Uh, Chad on character 116, Xin is in heart. Hmm. Again, the make a movie. So in his girlfriend's apartment, that's the set. Uh, his girlfriend Shauna, um, that's the Xin, uh, like the S H E sort of sound. Uh, drops of water and hook. So three drops of water, right? Mm -hmm. And a hook. So this is one that's technically four. 
props. I arrive at my girlfriend's apartment to take her on a date and she has made me one of her projects to tell me that she is in love with me. She meets me outside of the entrance and gives me a snow globe that has a heart she made with a hook through it and the inside of the snow globe surrounded by three large drops of water. She tells me that out of all the fish in the sea that I caught her heart. Oh. That's adorable. Um, <laughs> and this is a cool one where, yeah, it's, it's quite unconventional because the, the, the sort of props are within this snow globe. And uh-huh. you sort of, but I can imagine doing cool stuff with, because one of the special effects that we suggest is camera angles. So you could actually sort of go close up on the snow globe, maybe go inside the snow globe, zoom in, zoom out, go around to solidify those three drops and the, the, the heart there, or the hook rather, mm. the hook through the heart. So yeah, and you've got the backstory of the fish heart thing. That's just adorable. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of Xin, a lot of times that beginners, they'll wonder about a little bit about this character. And so, you know, mm. one of, there's a few different things you should know about. So the first one is there's a word Xin Zhang, and that's your actual heart. That's like the the organ in your body, which is mm. what Zhang stands for. And then the Xin uh, Li uh, is, this is the regular Li just means inside that's like what's in my heart you know like what do i think of something right you know what what this is what's just in my heart and then the uh sin li is psychology which is a different one which means logic so heart logic is psychology so sin li xue um would be psychology i thought i always thought that was like kind of adorable like mm. what's psychology it's your heart logic <laughs> so <laughs> nice one uh, uh, on you did it. So it's the end of the pronunciation mastery course, the free course that we have available for anyone. And mm. uh, we just give like a little way, well done. You, you finished the course <laughs> you made it. at the end. <laughs> and uh, he said something very nice, uh, which we thought we'd say. So I just want to say that this is one of the best courses I've ever done. Motivating, inspiring, educational, practical, entertaining. I did this at about eight months into my Chinese learning as a review of pronunciation, even though my pronunciation was already not too bad. So glad I did it. It really made me aware of my pronunciation points to pay attention to, as well as other general language or Chinese aspects. I'm going to start the Mandarin Blueprint course. Thanks again, guys. And that's great to hear because a lot of, because pronunciation mastery is sort of, the, I guess, the, the biggest uh, group of people that will be interested in that is absolute beginners and that's what it's because you're supposed to start with china with uh, pronunciation mm-hmm. with any language and you know uh, chinese luckily is is there's not much to learn right? yeah it's tough it can be tough but we can pack it all into one thing so we thought we'd just put that out there but i think we'll be using this as a testimonial on our uh, landing page like our pricing page for it because another group of people it, it, it's still going to be massively useful for is pe- well anyone else learning chinese because mm-hmm. you, you always said this it's like you, you don't really know many or any foreigners learning chinese that couldn't benefit from some pronu- pronunciation improvement but it's yeah. just a it can be boring and it can be also uh just hard to know or to how to, to know what you're doing wrong or how to fix the mistakes so mm-hmm. Uh, it's also this this is great because it also shows that it's it's not just useful for absolute beginners so right right and so just as a reminder to everybody uh you know one of the things that uh, when we posted on chinese forums that people were uh critical of was well how do people check their pronunciation well as a reminder please send us in your video mm-hmm. of you pronouncing things in the pronunciation course in the mandarin blueprint method uh we're always happy to hear that and we'll be happy to give you feedback right on the podcast publicly or privately yeah whichever you prefer 
Yeah. All things considered, it'd be like, you know, it'd be cool if we could do it publicly, but like, if you want, we'll do it either way. So uh, always happy to do that. Support at mandarinblueprint.com. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think we're going to be opening up an email called podcast at mandarinblueprint.com just for this type of stuff, but we'll, uh, we haven't done that yet, so we'll do it soon. Um, and uh, oh, I had another comment about that. Can I pull up again to yeah. what he was saying? So he said, um, right. So the, the, the point that he's making about uh, having already been eight months in, he's guaranteed had to fix some things, but you can. And that's the, mm. that's that's the one thing I want you guys to understand. You is did. That you can, yeah, I, I did. fixed a lot of things that I didn't get get right get right at first. And it's harder. You have to do this thing called guntu, which is to pull out a root. That's like I and love that word for uh, yeah. yeah. But um, sort of get mm. get rid of a bad habit. But uh, it's it's totally doable. And oh, another thing I was thinking about was that Chinese is one of the real problems with Chinese is it's hard for beginners. That's what makes Chinese hard, is mm -hmm. it's hard for beginners. So mm -hmm. Japanese is just as hard a language to learn, but not at the beginning. So the beginning of Japanese is like easy pronunciation, apparently. I mean, like, I, I, it sounds easy, too. It sounds more like Spanish-y. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Of, I don't want to start talking about stuff I don't know about. Yeah, but, but I mean, <laughs> like, my understanding from many Japanese speakers that I know is that the pronunciation is not the hard part of Japanese. Right. The hard right. part is the grammar. So, But what that means, though, is that if you're a Japanese learner, and this maybe explains why there's so many good Japanese learning resources, is that you get, like, the dopamine hits of success really early because it's, mm. like, it's easy to say and you can learn some basic words and you probably get that sort of, like, oh, I'm speaking some Japanese. But with Mandarin, you're, like... Uh, what do I say with Z H I? Uh, <laughs> you know, like it's, 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 it's very <laughs> difficult right off the bat, and so that's the reason why we put pronunciation mastery as like the first thing. It's like because if you get this, it's going to make everything easier. And there's another thing to say about that with characters, but generally speaking, those two things, if you can get pronunciation and characters down early, then you get to have this reward of Chinese grammar being a piece of cake. So, you know. But you can't get to that unless you get your pronunciation and characters down. So, all right. Another one from uh, Bong the same guy, uh, on moving forward, the role of a tutor. So mm. this is just before the last one, uh, the last unit of that course. We sort of, just to give you a, a thing, um, we do talk about pronunciation. That's obviously the main focus. But we give you lots of, uh, we give about 200 words and phrases that you can learn along with the flashcards. And at the very last unit is all about what's next. So you've learned pronunciation what do you do next? And there's some, a bunch of other stuff like how to get a teacher, what to do with them, and this is part of that unit. Mm -hmm. um, my experience with Chinese teachers is this. All they want to do is give you new vocabulary. They do not seem to understand the concept of practicing what you've already learned, but not had a chance to use. Teaching equals giving you new words in their minds, which incidentally is easier for them, <laughs> of course, because, yeah, and it really annoys me. Yeah, yeah. Percent. And I completely understand that. Yeah, well, obviously that most people just tend to, in any profession, I guess, or most professions, they tend to just f slip into what is the easiest path, sure. you know. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 when he wrote that, I was like, yep, that's what it is. They're just going, if I go, and I know because I've taught English and I've just been like, I don't know what to do today. Sure. I'm not a English like I didn't go to university for educational pedagogy of mm. English language. So I just go in and I'm just like, hmm, uh, well, you don't know this word, so let's teach it to you, right? Sure. And so yeah. that's uh, definitely what a lot of Chinese tutors do. So it's not true of all of them, but, you know, you have to find somebody who really takes their profession seriously. And, you know, that's sometimes a little bit of a needle in a haystack. Yeah, and it's going to come with a price tag as well, most likely. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and we, we go ahead and watch that. But like I said, it's free. You can just skip ahead and go to that final unit, the role of a tutor. So if you're worried about or concerned or you're not sure what, what to do with a tutor, I think that video is really useful. It's a, that was actually inspired by a 
post on Chinese forums that I found years and years ago. And then we sort of thought about it and, d and developed it further. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, go ahead and check that out. It's useful. Okay. So Yarden asks here, he says, he's, he has a confusion about a sentence on the new vocabulary unlocked lesson for the word Jin, which means to, it's basically like lose face or have an embarrassing moment, basically. Literally means um, lose person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, that gives you a little insight into the face idea here. So mm. uh, the sentence is, and he wanted to know why, what, what's up with this? So, means a little bit, means also, and means don't think or feel. How does this mean uh, I don't feel a bit embarrassed this is essentially how you would translate this right mm. and this whole, whole like you can say or and then what you're basically saying is i don't even feel a little bit like it's not even a little bit a little bit also not feel like it's like mm. it's the sort of way we would say that's an exaggeration it's basically yeah of the, a the, sentence. the year or the also or the dull all these two things mm. are sort of interchangeable a lot yeah, and yeah. that is the key to this meaning it's like that sort of adds the idea of even yeah, I don't yeah even think a little bit right it's yeah. kind of like we said we couldn't care less so it's like mm. you know that's a sort of similar type of thing it's like okay i couldn't care less is you're the reason you're saying it like that is to try to emphasize that like mm. nah you got me all wrong i'm not embarrassed you know so uh he could just say i don't feel embarrassed but he wants to exaggerate it a little bit yeah he's like uh, someone he I, probably I, does feel incredibly embarrassed too. <laughs> i used this like, recently as well it's like uh you got any? You got any money? You know, like I haven't even got a little bit of money. Yeah. Right. So the next one here, moving on swiftly. Tom <laughs> and uh, H and I don't know how to say that on problem initial X and simple final I or Y I or Xi. Um, hi there. I find it not too difficult to produce the G. T sound, the J and the Q sound. However, I find it extremely difficult to hear the difference. Is there any advice on how to better be able to distinguish these two sounds? Thank you, Tom. So with that one, I did actually already answer him as well, I believe. Um, but uh, the, the thing about listening and hearing the difference, that just, you know, practice. I mean, there's some tricks to saying it and producing it, like we talk about in the actual course. And most people can just do it pretty much straight away. Um, but in terms of hearing the difference, that is something called minimal pairs, like similar sounding sounds mm -hmm. in, and it occurs in any language. Um, the most common or difficult to differentiate between, I believe in Chinese are the Z and the ZH or the ZH and the CH, you know, very similar sounding sort mm -hmm. of thing. And it's just something what you have to, listening, listening uh, ability uh, takes, I guess the longest uh, to, to and it, it just takes an amount of time of exposure to be mm. able to get the difference. Now, the way we explain it in the course obviously helps you be more aware. So obviously, hopefully that helps you uh, reach that level and, and be able to dif differentiate between them quicker because you have the theory and, and, and all everything behind it. Mm. But the biggest one for me, I remember when learning Chinese, the biggest, yeah, was I-N and I-N-G, mm -hmm. you know, like Qin and Qing. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. sounds so similar, unless they have like a northern style, like Qiong, like accent. Right. But if they don't, that can be tough. 
They yeah. can be t- but there's, I don't think, I, I, at least I'm not aware of any trick to be able to doing it. You just have to, it's just exposure over I'll give time. you a trick. Uh, so, so one thing you can do, so first of all, you have the minimal pairs deck. So mm-hmm. we've given you what Luke was saying. We have an Anki deck that I don't remember what unit it comes in. I think it's after we've introduced all of the yeah. problem initials. We give you an Anki deck that's specifically designed for this. So you'll mm. listen to the audio and you're supposed to say, was that J-I or was that Q-I? And then, you know, if you get it yeah. wrong, you'll, you'll, your brain will start to be able to distinguish them. But the second thing is uh, vocabulary words. So ah. there is no of course. Yeah. commonly used E-jie. It's always E-jie. Right, and that see, the, you know, the Q and the J are close, but you never. I mean, there probably is a word somewhere in Chinese mm-hmm. that's e but like that's not going to be nearly as common as the word e which Meaning means everything. everything yeah. Right. So when you learn enough vocabulary words, you'll start to, to be able to distinguish just mm-hmm. because you'll know. Okay, well, that's not. There's no way that that's a J there because yeah. that word doesn't is not. And if, uh, yeah, exactly. Of course, that makes so much sense. Yeah. Um, like we we don't, we don't say e we mm. say yi jing already, mm-hmm. right? and that's mm-hmm. such a common word. There's no yi jing. Yeah, of course that makes sense. So as your vocabulary, and we actually used to both say this, I remember that when we were doing like live classes, because this would be such a common question. Um, yeah. As Yeah, so just focus on building your vocabulary, and of course you can continue with the mineral pairs, and this problem will naturally solve itself. Yeah, and the other thing too is that when you hear the, it with different vocabulary, uh, you'll oh, and there's another trick I want to talk about with this too. But there's uh, when you hear the different vocabulary, eventually you'll start to distinguish because of the different vocabulary. And one of the reasons for that is because one of the things I've found, and I don't know if you found this, but sometimes I have an easier time distinguishing an initial mm. when it's paired with one final as opposed to another. So like, look at all of the. Q and J finals that they can be um, mm. uh, paired with. So like, you know, there's a few others. The, if you, for some reason, for me, cert, certain finals, I'll hear it more clearly, the the really aspirated uh, uh, Q sound as opposed to the J sound. And then other ones, it might be a little bit tougher. Actually, mm. J-I and Q-I, I find to be closer than say, Jing um, and Qing. There's something about that for whatever reason. I can hear the cue more easily. And so just practice them with their different finals as well and see if you can start to distinguish it that way. And overall, it's just once you do these several things that we've listed here, you'll you'll get it. It won't take too long. Brilliant. Um, and we've got one final comment here, or question rather, on problem initials overview. This is Gareth Dawson. Gareth Dawson. Uh, why does S not go with Z and C? Mm. So we sort of treat that as a separate thing um now this is an interesting one because this was something that uh we actually added later on uh, in the course uh, it's one of those things because e- even we don't know didn't know everything um by the end of the, the course we definitely did <laughs> but because we we just researched tirelessly and tested and but one of the things that because we originally thought that s was just like the s in english mm. you know and uh I remember thinking, yeah, we don't, because S, uh, S is not a problem initial per se, cause, because it sounds exactly the same as far as yeah. I can tell, you know. Um, but what I found out during making the course was actually that S in Chinese uses a different pronunciation, a different tongue position. Yeah, the same um, as J, Q, and X, actually. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, with the, with the tongue behind the bottom teeth. Yeah. But... I'd already labeled it as not a problem initial because it's just, it's so easy. Like, yeah, it is, it is. 
you know, and even if your tongue isn't in the right position, you can still say it accurately. And then I found out later, this the first time I'm telling you guys this, by the way, mm. that yeah, so it technically is a problem initial by the way we describe it. Because the t it's got a, it's produced with a different tongue position that's not used in English, mm -hmm. but it just comes naturally. The sound comes so naturally, yeah. And so I I by that point, I'd already just been like, "This is not a problem initial." Even though I know that it's got a different tongue position, we're gonna lump it as a just a normal, easy. To, uh, what are we? An easy, an easy initial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it is. I mean, even if you think of it from the perspective of okay, you got J, Q, X, and S that have this different tongue position when it's against the back of your bottom teeth. First of all, putting your tongue against the back of your bottom teeth is not hard. It's like, so it's really easy. And secondly, of those four, then just going yeah. is the easiest thing. But so that's why we say not, problem in inverted yeah. commons. But yeah. I think, as if I'm going to come clean, I would say that Gareth, like, we should probably put the S with, with the J, Q, and X. But... It's just, it comes so naturally that we just kept it as an easy one. Yeah, and I mean, it's one of those <laughs> things where it's like, okay, technically, maybe we should say it this way, but I almost feel like if we did that, we'd be doing it to appease people who are nitpickers as opposed to recognizing that S is just really easy. It is easy. So like, yeah, yeah. technically it's like, a, it could be a problem, but it is, it's pretty easy. Yeah. All not right. calling you a nitpicker, Gareth, but I'm yeah, just you're Yeah, you're a nitpicker. You're, knitting, <laughs> you're picking nits. Um, all right, so uh, that's it for today. That's all the questions we have. Yeah. So uh, normal end of podcast stuff. Please share the podcast mm -hmm. around. Uh, please tell us uh, if we have anything that you, anything you want us to talk about, send us an email. We want to, mm. those are our favorite. When you have a question about especially like the general uh path of chinese uh or what you're struggling with and you want some help send it in and we will discuss it we love doing all of that and uh you know let people know about the course mm, absolutely um, share around and also you know follow us on our other social media we don't actually say this much but follow us on uh we're developing our, of course our facebook is still uh our number one uh, sort of social media platform but we're also expanding everything in instagram and uh, twitter and even linkedin very soon so follow us on everything and yeah thanks right. guys see you next time